Welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a four-part series titled Miracles, Encounters with Christ. This series will culminate with Holy Week. If you are in the Central North Carolina area between April 1st and Easter Sunday, April 8th, please join us for Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday celebrations. All service dates, times, and locations can be found on our website at www.newhopenc.org. Now here's this week's message from our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly. Good morning again. How you doing? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to the Super Bowl, the National Championship, the Masters, and anything else of church life, Easter Sunday morning. Amen? Let's try it one more time. We did it earlier. He is risen. risen. Now that's good, but I think you can do better than that. This is a tradition that goes all the way back, guys, to the beginning of the church. In fact, after Christ was crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected, remember persecution broke out, this was one of the main primary ways in which Christians recognized other Christians. If they were walking by and they said, He is risen, and somebody said, He is risen indeed, they knew there's a brother, there's a sister. I think I'm amongst some brothers and sisters today. Amen? Let's do it loud. You ready, church? Here we go. He is risen. He is risen I think I heard Garner all the way over in Garner. Welcome to the Garner Community of Faith. Today's the very first Sunday. They're going to three worship celebrations because they're packing it out over there. Welcome to all of our campuses, the Coffee House campuses that are running today, the Internet campus, the Garner campus I just mentioned, the NCCIW campus, Daughters of the King in Raleigh, North Carolina. Happy Easter. And as always, welcome to those of you at Central Campus. I'm so glad you're here. Open up your Bibles, if you brought them, to John 20. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it today. Amen? John chapter 20. We've been in John's gospel lately. We looked at John chapter 2 last week. Jesus turning water to wine. Amen. We looked at some some Good Friday stuff on Friday from John 19. And today we're going to John chapter 20. I'm going to read some selected verses between verses 1 and 30. Got your Bibles open? Got your phones open or your iPads or whatever you want to use? Early on the first day of the week. On what day? On the first day of the week, that's Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples. By the way, there's lots of running going on in the Gospels, particularly around Passion Week and the resurrection of Jesus. They just, they were running. They were freaking out. Melting down, wigging out, running, looking for Jesus. Where have they put him? They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> a little side note. Old Peter had a big old mouth, but he obviously wasn't too fast. Probably because he had this proclivity for sticking both feet in his mouth. But Peter gets outrun to the tomb. Check it out. 
He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying, lying there but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand what the, from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Look at verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but he did not realize, she did not realize it was Jesus. He said, verse 15, what did he say? <laughs> he, he, you remember from last week, man. See, you're still there. You're still there. Jesus, woman, right? Why do you bother me? That was last week. He says here, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now go over to verse 24, Doubting Thomas. We might have some doubters here today. We are so glad you are here. Now Thomas called Didymus. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciple told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, some of you have heard me say before, I, I know Jesus knows what's best to say, but like, I think that would have been a perfect place to go. Boo! <laughs> I mean, it's dark, man. It's, it's, it, they're running around and doubting Thomas. That's why it's so much better that Jesus was there instead of me. <laughs> Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You're going to see this next verse come up on the screen. Then Jesus told them, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have what, church? He's talking about you. Leave it up there for a moment. Because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those, that's you, that's me, who have not seen and yet have believed. Will you pray with me? Father, would you take our minds, think through them today? Would you take our hearts and fill with them today? Lord Jesus, would you take my lips and speak through them today? For if you do not speak then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I was 
getting ready for this message, I was reflecting back upon 2011 and uh, I kind of had this thought, uh, uh, for some reason, you know, we, we lost a brilliant mind in 2011. We lost a man that I, for one, I am indebted to. I use his products. His products help pull off our worship celebrations. His products help pull off, you know, 80% of our staff in doing their ministry, and we're still praying for those who are still working from like regular PCs. But of course, I'm talking about Steve Jobs. We saw a brilliant mastermind in the technology world rise to rock stardom. And then if we paid close attention, we watched him die right before our very eyes. Here he is when he's young, holding that apple getting ready to start the ascension, if you will, to secular technology stardom. In 2005, Steve Jobs was asked to deliver the commencement address to Stanford University. He used words during that commencement address, words like passion and pursuit and happiness and not letting anyone get in the way of you becoming great in this world. But as I watched this brilliant man die last year, I confess to you that I often wondered, uh, is that really all there is to life? Why is it, God, that so many people put all their, if you will, eggs into one basket, and that is trying to pursue happiness and, and uh, passion and secular accomplishments in this world while not, while not paying a lot of attention to the next world. Why is that? And as he, as he neared death, you might have seen this. I happened to watch it. He was interviewed on 60 Minutes. And on 60 Minutes, Steve Jobs answered a question uh, about God and finally said, you know, I give God a 50-50 chance of existing. Well, thank you, Steve. It's interesting, he, up until that point, he had, he had never really even acknowledged the possibility of God. But as he neared death, he said, I give God a 50-50 chance of existing. And then he went on to say this, quote, When you die, what else matters? If there is no God, then it's all over at that point. That's all that matters. Sometimes I think there has to be a soul that lives on forever. There is too much inside of us that wants that. But other times, I feel like the human body simply has, listen to this, an on and off switch. And once it's off, it's off. Now, the interviewer went on to acknowledge and make note of the fact that in many of the products that Steve Jobs actually had his hands involved in designing, there were no off switches. You see, Steve Jobs, as, as secular as he was and, 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 and not having a belief in God, he hated the concept. He hated the idea that there could be an off switch. Like, like really, an off switch. Now, just think about that for a moment. 
If all there is to this thing called life is an on switch, you enter the world, and an off switch, you exit the world, and that's all there is. If all there is to this world is that, we, Paul would say later in Corinthians, we should be pitied, pitied among all men. If there is no God, then anything we do to grasp at significance and meaning and purpose and fulfillment is like well, it's like, it's like injecting Botox into a corpse. It's worthless. Absolutely and utterly worthless. But Easter Sunday rolls around, beloved. And Easter Sunday declares that there is far more to this world than an on switch and an off switch. Can I get an amen? Easter Sunday morning rolls around year after year after year. And the resurrected Christ proclaims, come follow me with great boldness. Easter resurrection. Pull out your teaching notes. Let me just talk to you about some things that Easter offers those of us who are here who would pursue it and receive it as a gift. The miracle of Easter offers eternal, right in the word, life. Amen? The miracle of Easter, beloved, promises us and offers to us eternal life. And let me just say, that is a game changer. That, that changes everything. If Christ has come and resurrected from the dead, until Jesus rolled the stone away 2,000 years ago, life pretty much consisted, come on, of an on switch and an off switch. But Easter came along and shattered that. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, what church? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. Later in John 14, the Bible says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are what? Many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going, do you? You know the way. Well, John 14, 6. I am. Jesus said, I am what? The way and what? The truth and what? The life. No one comes to the Father except... Through me, eternally done away with the off switch. And so he says in John 14, 27, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Listen, guys, it all begs the question. It all begs the question. Do you believe that? If you're here and you're not sure, again, we're so glad you are here. If you are here and you do believe that, that should do nothing but confirm in your spirit the eternity of God, the eternity of you for those who believe. And you got to know this. Let's keep it real for a moment. Not everybody believes that. Like, like not everybody believes that. Some people believe that it is a crutch. Philosopher philosopher by the name of Bertrand Russell in his book, Why I Am Not a Christian. 
put it like this. Don't console yourself with Christianity. You have to yield to the despair of knowing that ultimately you and everything else will die in the death of the universe. Hmm. That's a choice of belief. Now, let me just say this. I don't know if you're, you'll, you will admit it, but I'm not too proud to admit it. Listen, to me, Christianity is incredibly consoling. Like, I turned 40 a little over a year ago. 40, dude, when I was young, I used to think 40 was ancient. Now, 40 is young, despite what my kids try to imply. Are you with me? Are you with me? And hey, come on, let's just be honest. Listen, getting old stinks. Young people, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You don't think you'll ever experience it. Let me tell you something, young person. In the blink of an eye, before you know it, you will understand exactly what I am saying. Amen? That's the older people in the house. (laughs) Getting old stinks. Listen, you know you are getting old when it takes twice as long to look half as good. You know you are getting old when your back goes out more than you do. You know you are getting old when you can live without sex, but not without your glasses. Hello. You know you're getting old. I love this. When the clothes you've put away until they come back in style, baby, have come back in style. You know you're getting old when happy hour is a nap. You know you're getting old when getting lucky means you find your car in the parking lot. And a few for the men. Just you men, 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 you and me right here. Men. You know you're getting old when your ears are hairier than your head. Hello. It might be my favorite. It hasn't happened to me yet. I'm not looking forward to it. You know you're getting old when young and younger women start to open up the door for you. <laughs> Listen, dear philosopher Bertrand Russell, you daggum right Christianity is consoling because getting old stinks. And who, I mean, who would not want the thought, the belief, The reality that yes, there is an on switch when I come into planet earth, but then there is no off switch for those who believe because we take one step and we step into eternity in a place called heaven. Easter, resurrection, promises us eternal life. And I, for one, I am incredibly thankful. Am I all alone? Give God a hand. He is worthy and he has defeated death and given us eternal life. Here's the second thing. Take notes in your teaching notes or in your Bible. The miracle of Easter offers freedom to be me. This is a different concept that I don't think a lot of us get. Christianity, when I come to faith in Christ and I'm growing in Christ, it helps me find and experience what it means to be fully human as I was designed and intended to be by God. Freedom to be me, not to be someone else. See, some of you got it all mixed up. Some of you think when you become a Christian, you're no longer going to be you. Some of you have this concept of God as being this kind of cosmic killjoy. Who's going to ruin your life? And I walked 18 years without God. Listen, beloved, and for 18 years, I tried to live up to everyone else's expectations. For 18 years, I tried to conform to the ways of this world. And it wasn't until I experienced Jesus Christ that I was given freedom 
to become all that God was intending and calling me to be. Some of you are kind of hesitant. Some of, you, some of you haven't given your life to Christ, and some of you have given parts of it. You know what I mean? You're kinda, you kind of go to church. You kind of do the church thing. You might, do, you might even be extra spiritual. You might do the life group thing. And, but but you've, you've never really fully, I'm talking about jumped in, baby, feet first. And here's why you have it. You think somewhere down deep in places you don't even talk about, you think that if you do, God's going to turn you into this wacko, whack job, fuddy-duddy family that, the women wear long dresses and the men do this and you make your own homemade butter and you homeschool. And you're like, dude, I am not going there. And, and you got this image of Christians as being weird and it's not all your fault. I mean, you've seen some weird Christians. And mainstream media helps fuel this. I can't stand this about mainstream liberal media. But here's what they do. They'll get these interviews going. And they'll get the sharpest, cleanest, unbelievable, educated, Duke graduate, Harvard, whatever. Some Got that in there, didn't I? They, they, this incredibly educated, smart guy. And they'll, they'll interview him. They'll pit him beside this fuddy, duddy, uneducated, not sharp, if you know what I mean, Christian. And they, the, the interviewer and the educated smart guy, they just, they just make chopped meat out of this dude or this woman. They just kill him right there in front of everybody. And there's this image of Christianity makes you weird. Listen, Christianity doesn't make you weird. Those people would be weird without Jesus. Seriously, they were weird before they found Jesus and they'll be weird if they ever leave Jesus. Seriously. John 10.10, I know I quote this verse a lot. It's my life verse. I'm sorry, you'll keep hearing it from me. John 10.10, I have come, this is Jesus, that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly, Easter reminds us that we are free to be who God has called us to be. And anything else in life just doesn't satisfy. Like, how many of you, talking about age again, young people won't know what I'm about to talk about. How many of you actually remember having car phones when the phones actually stayed in the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you, how many of you remember after that the box phones where you had to have some biceps just to carry that bad boy? Remember this? Remember this? How many of you then remember the, the flip phone? Now we'll start getting to some of the younger ones. The flip phone, you know, that was popular. Then it was the iPhone, the iPhone. And, and, and I had to go do a little research just to find out which was the first iPhone. It was a GSM, whatever that was. But then it was iPhone 3. How many of you still have iPhone 3? I'm proud to say I still have an iPhone 3 and proud of it. Okay? But, but then they went to the iPhone 3S, iPhone 4, iPhone 4S. I know perfectly sane people who have thrown away perfectly good phones just to get the newest and the greatest generation of the iPhone. What does that tell you? What does that tell me? That tells me, listen, the things of this world don't satisfy, church. The things of this world do not satisfy. The year was 1977. I told you I just turned 40. Come on. 1977. Oh, that car. I wanted that car. I thought that if I ever got that car, my life would be fulfilled. 
What car am I talking about? Baby, I'm talking about Smokey and the Bandit. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Have you seen it? Did you, you remember the car? I'm talking about a 1977 Pontiac T-top Trans Am. I brought a picture just for you. I, oh, my Lord. Oh. I, oh, praise Jesus. But here's the deal. Check it out. Here's the If I could, if I could, I would not buy that car today. I don't want that car anymore. Some of you are like, easy, Pastor. Don't talk about that. I got that car. <laughs> well, let me tell you one of two things about you if you own that car. You probably got a freaking mullet on the top of your head. Or you might have a meth lab in your backyard. Either case, it's not good. All right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I... <laughs> I wouldn't buy that car today. Now, if you want to give it to me, I'll still take it. But, man, I used to think if I had that car, if I only had that car, I don't really want that car today. You see, the, the temporal things of this world, listen, church, they don't satisfy. The best things in this world iPhones, iPads, cars, homes, income, what spouses, kids, you name it. At the end of the day, they do not quench that eternal thirst that you have within you, which is why you're here today, and that I have within me. Why? Because God has created us that way. And the Easter resurrection gives me the freedom to be me and experience ultimate life, abundant life, fulfillment, capital P purpose because I found Jesus who supersedes and transcends all the things of this world. Can I get an amen? amen. Easter offers us not only eternal life but freedom to be me. But here's the last thing, forgiveness of sins. Hello. Oh, my Lord. This has been, this has been, the, um, this has been the question of humanity since the beginning of time. It always has been, and it always will be. And all the world religions try to deal with this one problem, with this one issue, one way or another. And the question is this, how can I be forgiven of sin? How do I get that cleansing? Last week, looked at John 2, Jesus turning water to the wine. Remember, there were six jars over there. What did I tell you the jars were for? Ceremonial cleaning. To be cleansed. To be purified. Some of you are here because down deep inside, you have a, a heap of guilt on top of you. You're weighted down. And the message of Christianity comes to free you, beloved. The message of Christianity offers us that forgiveness of sins. It's not about ritual cleaning. It's not about religion, all that I can do for God. It is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Whereby I accept what he has done for me, his forgiveness of my sins, and I'm thus free to follow him faithfully. Now, I want to take you back to the Old Testament for just a moment. I want to show you something that's going to rock. It's going to rock some of your worlds. Some of you are going to hear about it first, for the first time. Some of you might have read these passages of Scripture. But in the Old Testament, they had ways of dealing with sin. And you've heard of some ways, lambs without blemish. Let me talk to you about something else. Leviticus 16.6. 6. 
Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering, the priesthood of Aaron, if you know your Bibles, to offer a bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and for his household. Okay, that's what the priest did. The priest, holy of holies, temple, you know all that. They would come and they would offer a bull. They would sacrifice a bull or a lamb without blemish. And you, you know Leviticus, you know that there's life in the blood. So there was blood to be shed for the propitiation of sin. But then look at what happens in Leviticus 16.7. Then he is to take the two goats, the what? Goats. And present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the... What is it, church? For the scapegoat. Very, very interesting. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. One goat gets sacrificed for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the, what is it, church? Scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. Now just imagine hundreds and thousands of worshipers coming like we still do today. How do I get forgiveness of sin? They come and there's a goat and you hear her. Bring the goat in the house of the Lord. So they would, oh, you ladies are a trip. That's his way of saying he is risen. <laughs> and, and it's also his way of saying he's glad Jesus came because, listen, this is what had to happen. They would bring two goats out. They would cast lots. One would be sacrificed, the shedding of the blood. And the other goat... The other goat would listen. Tradition goes way back. They would take a red cord. They would tie the red cord around the goat. If you jump off of that stage, you might die, goat. And just know I told you so. They would tie, seriously, tradition. Antiquity teaches us. They would tie, the priest would tie a red cord around the neck of the goat. And look at Leviticus 16, 20 and 22. Pay close attention. Don't miss this church. I know you're mesmerized by the goat, but listen. Listen. You'll see it on the screens. When Aaron had finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the what church? The what? The live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the goat. Look. And confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites. Let's continue. All their, what is it church? All their sins and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. Let's continue. The goat will carry on itself all their sins. 
to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. Now you know where the word and the phrase becomes, that's our scapegoat, or he or she is a scapegoat for the fall. Jesus Christ, wow, wow, my, my. The Bible says this in Ephesians 1, 7, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Jesus became our once and for all scapegoat church. He became the one who went and was sacrificed and shed his blood. And he became the one who has gone to heaven and awaits for you. Jesus is our once and for all scapegoat. Give God praise today and get the goat out of the building because we no longer need him. Come on, baby. Come on. You want to go that way? Come on, baby. Come on. Hey, we got a lot of services today. You're not going to do this delay thing. Come on out here, Dennis. Come on out here. Come on out here. Come on. There you go. Oh, look. I just need to pat him on his butt, didn't I? I just didn't know I got to pat him on his butt. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. He's our scapegoat, church. He's our scapegoat. No longer needed are the rituals of blood sacrifices. Listen, no longer needed are the acts of a priest. The Bible says that we come boldly to Jesus Christ. He is now our great high priest he is now our scapegoat. He has paid the price. It is finished. It is done. And Easter rolls around and offers you and it offers me forgiveness of our sin. And I understand some of you are here and you, you just look at life and you look at websites, and you watch the news, and you read newspapers, and you look at the world, and you say, you know what it looks like to me? Death has won. And you've lost loved ones. And maybe you've had a medical prognosis. And it looks like death has won. I rose to tell you today that love has won the day, and Jesus Christ has come that you might have eternal life, that you might come and have freedom. That you might come and have your sins forgiven. I tell you that on Good Friday, listen. On Good Friday, there was a war taking place. A battle was taking place between the prince of darkness and the prince of light. And like two gladiators in a fight, listen, there were huge transactions taking place. If you weren't here on Friday night, I talked about that. But let me just give you a little reminder. There were huge transactions taking place in the cosmos. As God was declaring victory, as God was, listen, kicking Satan in his teeth. On Easter Sunday morning when he raised Jesus from the dead... Love 
in the form of a sinless soul, the one and only beloved Son of God rolled into the ring and said, Wait a minute, death. You might think you've won the day on Friday. And he was having a party, make no mistake about it. The enemy was having a party. And it was one of those long weekend parties, if you know what I mean. It went all Friday. And the party kicked in Saturday morning. And it went all Saturday morning. But I want to set the record straight for you today and let you know that Jesus Christ came and kicked Satan's rear in. And the party was over come Sunday morning. And the party for God Almighty kicked in as Jesus Christ became the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to come to the Father, it is only by Him that you come. And so I want us to pray at all of our campuses. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes, and I want us to pray. And for the believers in the house, I want you to just marinate once again in the love and the grace of God and the victory of Christ. Confess your sins that you could leave here today totally forgiven. For those of you who are here today and you're, you're just a little skeptical. But something inside of you drew you to this place today. Listen, beloved, I don't believe it's a coincidence. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, Father God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for the message of Easter. Lord, we want to thank you for declaring the victory. Lord, we want to thank you for securing and promising for us throughout all eternity life that never ends. God, I want to thank you for giving us freedom. That in you, we don't have to act like somebody that we are not. We don't have to wear a mask. We don't have to fit into a mold. But in you, Christ, we can become all that you have designed. You have created us to be. And Father, I want to thank you that, that the reality is every person in here, starting with me, we're sinners, God. We are sinners and we are in desperate need of a Savior. Thank you for providing Jesus. Thank you for providing the once and for all scapegoat who took our sin, not out into a desert like the scapegoat of the Old Testament did, but he took our sin right up a hill, right up a cross called Calvary. And there he spread his arms and he shed his blood. And Lord, we receive that this morning. We, we confess to you, God, that we need you. We confess to you that we need we need forgiveness of sins. So God, would you forgive us in this moment as we just as we lay our sins before you, not on the head of a goat, but, but at the foot of a cross, at the foot of a blood-stained cross. We confess our sins. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. If you're here today and, and you've never really had a defining moment, Maybe you've been going to church for quite some time, but you've never actually humbled yourself before Almighty God and said, you know what, that's good news. I understand that. That's, that's good news, and, and I need that. I need freedom. I need forgiveness. And Lord, I'm honest enough to tell you, I need eternal life. I don't like the idea of an off switch. If that's you, beloved, and you would be that honest with God today, I want to invite you to just pray a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you to come into my heart today. I need you to come into my life today. 
I need you to forgive me of my sins. I ask for eternal life in Christ. I stand not on my own merits, Lord, but I stand on the merits of Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross for me. So, Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I receive that gift today. And I will follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And now, God, thank you for the believers who are here and at all of our campuses. Would you, would you bless them today with the abundant life? Would you take it to places that has never been in the year ahead? We thank you, God. We thank you that we have tasted and we have seen that you, Lord, you, Lord God, you are good. And we pray this in your powerful, triumphant, resurrecting name of Jesus. And all of God's people said... Amen. If you just received Christ, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.